My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt. The Boston Celtics aren't back. Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? They definitely are not back. Um, I'm doing all right. You know, watching all Suns Pels right now, NBA TV. I saw Jonas Valanciunas just truck Frank Kaminsky. Um, this is good stuff, Ryan. This is, this is what I live for. <laughs> That's what we're about here on the Couch Shim podcast yeah, we're, we're about ball at the top of the key letting him put it on the deck for three dribbles and just fully extend the arm into frank minsky like we're we're here for a terrible tuesday night game against the the pelicans are the pelicans just well i what we won't talk about that yet the pelicans might be just terrible and might never recover from this but that's neither here nor there we don't want to get too frisky early in this podcast no. uh so before we get too far into episode 125, uh, remember to follow us on Twitter or on Instagram uh, and give us a rating on the podcast platform of your choice. And that'd be really helpful. Matt, what did people miss in episode 124? Well, so of course we had to speak on the Ben Simmons Kyrie drama, mm. I guess has since cooled down. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we might cheat on talking about it. <laughs> uh, we had done West Bridget predictions a couple pods ago, so we talked on Eastern Conference uh, last time, and then some over-unders that, uh, for futures, you know, season outlooks that we thought were worth betting on. And uh, I don't know. Some of those feeling okay about, some of those feeling less less okay about right now. Cleveland giving me a little bit of a scare, but they did this last year too, you know. Yeah, they started out hot and then cooled off. Remember, we st- talked about them as play-in potential last year, like eight games in. I'm I'm hearing like, why can't this team be 500? And it's like I said, bet the under at 26 and a half. <laughs> I'm I'm not moving off that though, not yet, mm, not yet. 27, I will. But well, man. I do this every year. I watch like a couple Kings games, and then I'm right back into the Kings bandwagon. And then as soon as I hop on, like the left wheel falls off and uh the one of the one of the spokes just goes flying crashing off and and then it's just a dumpster fire from there and then i'm left on the dumpster fire of bandwagon and that's the key that's my uh cycle with the kings if you've been following this podcast for more than more than one year i thought marvin bagley would be something but you know here we are in NBA news this week, Matt, we got some new jerseys. Yeah, we did. What are, you, what are your thoughts? What's your What's your favorite one that you saw? Um, let me let me get this up. You know, I you got this LinkedIn here. Look at you, podcast pro in here. Um, so uh, off the top of my head, again, I'm not a Thunder fan, so I don't care. I like <laughs> I like the whiteout. Uh, the whiteout. Mm. I think more you know why not like you know we're Oklahoma State football fans because we attended there and one positive about Oklahoma State football is jerseys Mm -hmm. a good icy white jersey will never disappoint me so I'm digging it I don't care if it's like simple or whatever like I don't care I'm digging the icy white from OKC I like that one too did you Uh, see the court that goes with it yeah I did that you know grayed out yeah, mm, that's good stuff. Every Friday, I like it. 
They're just committing to it. Um, I like the Wolves throwback, the KG era. Throwback. Oh, those ones are good. I love the Spurs Fiesta white. Okay, hold on. I love the idea of it. Oh. I don't like that the Spurs, like the like the team name, is so oh. like black and gray. Mm. Like mm. I would have been digging the like, full effect. Yeah, like it feels like they leaned in like eighty five percent of the way, but then like they forgot to change that like before they sent it off to print shop. <laughs> but <laughs> nothing else about it is that coloration. I don't think the names on the back are that coloration. Mm, yeah, that's a good call out. Because the rest are kind of themed the same way. Like, everything else is kind of changed. Uh, yeah. it, it, with the Except for the Spurs. And that's yeah. a good, that's a great point. That so is a great point. If they would have, like, outlined, like, the Spurs would have been, like, in white, but, like, outlined in, like, the teal or, yeah. the, or the pink or something, you know? Or, like, you know, maybe the inverse of like how they did the numbers. Mm. I think that could have been really cool. I don't even know. I, I don't have to think what it really looked like. But I loved the court that I saw that was going to go with it. I love everything about the jersey except the name Spurs going across the front. Mm, that's fair. So, um, I, I appreciate the Nets one. I, I dig it. Yeah, um, the Nets one's pretty good. I, I would have to say one of the more boring ones is the Suns. And the Jazz, because those feel like copy and pasted from previous jerseys. I'm pretty sure the Suns is just yeah. the same from last I mean, year. I don't think it changed um, on the Suns one. The 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 digital valley. Yeah. One. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, it's bad. Minus points for Suns. And the Jazz is like their, you know, yellow to orange to red to maroon sunset, and then all black three four slow down i never liked it in the first place um, yeah uh i really dig the the toronto one the so, toronto with the raptor and the the gold like the championship kind of vibe they were doing two years ago i think with yeah. the gold is pretty good they should I would, that out though like the year like they won the championship yeah like, I, I like it it's just they're a little late on it yeah for sure i like the i mean the throwback atlanta with the hawk across the chest is pretty good to me it's fine i'd say it's top half i don't know if it's my top 10 but it's definitely top half um i don't like the celtics short but i like the jersey the jersey is nice on you know for the like celtics the blend letters i like that the green um, kind of throwback yeah um i like like when you look at the details like the memphis like full jersey outfit i like it um it's a little simple but i don't know if it's top 10 for me but i like it and then i really like the chicago You'll, the curse of chicago might be the chicago might, yeah that might be the winner um gives me jamal crawford vibes yeah <laughs> jamal crawford mm-hmm. uh Sacktown, i like the sacramento black like the throwback so, early 2000s that one feels like if you throw some short sleeves on that one, that's like a beer league baseball team shirt. <laughs> that's like a church league. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I get that. Um, Miami's Portland. is kind of down. I'm down on Miami's. Portland is fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not here for the Miami 
mashup is what they're calling it. Like, it's stupid. Uh, legit question, do the Clippers have a good jersey? Because this one's not good. So, okay, I was going to ask you, because very applicable to you here. If I couldn't read cursive, and I thought that said thunder, I would have 100% thought it was just a thunder jersey. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, that, I mean, that blue. The Clippers future draft picks. <laughs> they just, Nike just imported all the, the thunder <laughs> colors for the Clippers. Yeah, I think the Clippers just need straight up a rebranding at this point. Because uh, it's bad. I know they kind of did a rebranding with the Clippers name and all that stuff, but. They, just, they changed the logo. That's all they did. They just made it a weird big block. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The rest of the jerseys, to be honest, like, I don't hate Washington's. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Denver. It's fine. Eh, you know, whatever. Charlotte. Char- I kind of yeah. like the idea. I don't know if I like the execution. I'm going to be honest, the Warriors, I don't get, like, the lightning bolts on the side. Like, I guess that's the ode to, like, the old jerseys they had. Yeah. I really just like, like, the ones they've been wearing recently with, like, the red and um, a little throwback. Mm, yeah. I really wasn't digging the Knicks. Nah. The black, I mean, the black and orange looks nice. But, I mean, I feel like they've had five different iterations of this type of jersey. I like their blue ones better. The Lakers one is interesting. I don't hate the Lakers one. Yeah, it's fine. It's, I mean, the purple and the light blue don't really go well together. I don't mind it because it's like very different from everyone else's. Sure. I think that's something appealing to me about it. Um, Magic's is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> Did, um, is New Orleans just like this, their same home jersey? Like, okay. does it? What they do? They just made they just wrote Nola, but like the O and L are a little bit bigger, so it kind of makes like a. It like inversed the font where the font goes instead of going down, it goes up. Yeah, uh, it's just like, it looks a little rounded. Is that like an ode to Zion? Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, Off the top rope from Matt Chamberlain. Yeah, Cleveland's is kind of stupid. Yeah. At first, I thought that was Indiana's. Like when I first looked at it, like a like an ode to the Hoosiers again, but it's definitely not that. It just looks dumb. I'm open to the Houston one. It's fine. You know, Detroit, whatever. You know. Oh, okay, Sixers. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like an it's ode not... to the arena, like the Spectrum Arena. Like yes. Uh, it's I just, I, I think they have better jerseys. They've had better jerseys, like, like the script yeah. Sixers and the like off white. That was probably one of my favorite alternative uniforms for the Sixers. You... Like I don't mean to hate the jersey, just like take out like the rainbow, you know, color stuff on the sides and then the court. It does kind of feel like a ripoff of the Nets, or sorry, Denver. Yeah, like they both did like the same thing. Yeah effectively yeah i get that so and the bucks were just whatever too i don't care about the bucks dallas i don't know, straight 90s throwback it's fine fine whatever it's fine yeah i think some definitely hit most are fine and a lot were just still like why yeah 
it's it's how nike has been with their jerseys it's been like mostly fine and then it's like the, the bad ones are the ones that don't i feel like some just were not given that much effort and you can kind of tell yeah, yeah for sure and it makes you wonder is nike making that decision is utah being like hey no we're not, we're not doing we that. like these yeah yeah we're not designing another court and putting that in like just roll it out again yeah, I guess whenever Donovan Mitchell leaves, they they'll have to rebrand anyway. So they're just preparing not to have to do another one. In yeah, day. yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so moving on from jerseys, one of our favorite topics to our least favorite and uh, least favorite to- topics and injuries. Uh, so we're just gonna run through some of these really quick. So it was announced this past week that Zion is gonna be two to three weeks. Uh, away from practicing. Hell, oh, Ryan. Zion's not two to three weeks away from practicing. That dude's <laughs> two to three weeks away from being reevaluated for practicing. Is, that, dude, that dude ain't it. Like, is this just like season one all over again for Zion? Like where we kind of didn't know what was happening with him and then he like played, started playing in January? I'm pretty much there. Ryan, it, I feel like we're like in, like we're in the middle of witnessing like one of those ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries like live time. Is this like Greg Oden 2.0? But like worse. Like Is... Greg couldn't help the fact that like his knees just gave out. You know, he was just a massive human being. Like sure. Zion just feels like he's eating himself into Yeah, there were also those reports that he was over 300 pounds coming into training camp and the staff w- wasn't super happy about that the training staff my knees would be aching too oh <laughs> um, i just don't know i don't know i don't know what zion uh, it feels weird seeing john Morant. you know in year three of this if you said john Morant was the best player from that draft class what i mean close it's not even really close. Yeah. Like John Morant's going to be an all-star. He's going to be all NBA maybe this year. And, and it's just, I, I don't know. I'm kind of just blown away by this whole turn of events. Um, but I mean, hopefully Zion can get right, but I feel like this is not heading down a really great path for either New Orleans or Zion. So, not that this is, like, the entire issue, but do you think his slightly uncooperativeness about conditioning stems at all from the fact that he came out and said, Lonzo's my boy, sign him. And the, Pelican, the Pelicans, you know... Gave him up for a box, box of rocks. Off the door. Yeah. Or not walked walk Lonzo out the door. Not saying it's the, the the full intent and reasoning behind all this, but I ain't saying it's helping either. I mean, honestly, like, I don't. I mean, maybe this is like a prove it moment, but I just don't know what that front office is doing at this point. Like Thomas Sadaransky, who you traded Lonzo for, isn't even in the rotation at this point. Has he played tonight in that game you're watching? How's yeah, how is he not like playing? Uh, I can't recall him being in. Like, so he's playing th- legit like seven minutes a game. 
that's the thing is like it's just I don't know. And Lonzo looks great in Chicago. Yeah, I think that's definitely gonna be a part of um this conversation moving forward, this front office is like what move have you done that's worked? Since drafting Zion. Yeah. Well, has that worked? <laughs> that's a great point, is David Griffin might not be long for New Orleans. Yeah, let's come back to this. I know we're going to talk about them later. Yeah, yeah. Let's get on through these injuries. So uh, next up on our injury list, Patrick Williams is more than likely done for the season after dislocating his wrist. I didn't even know that was possible, Matt. I know you could dislocate your ankle, get dislocate your knee, shoulder. had no idea you could do it with your wrist. Well, it's weird because your wrist is like a bunch of tiny bones. You right. Know? I, I don't know. Sounds painful. Does not sound fun. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Gafford... Uh, has a quad injury and was being evaluated for that and had a scan. Uh, and then last one here, uh, DeAndre Ayton left the game the other day with a leg contusion. Is he playing tonight or is he out? Um, I've seen a bunch of Frank Kaminsky. I don't remember seeing Ayton off the top of my head. So he may be out for a little bit. I, I didn't see an update uh, on that Ayton injury, um, but he did leave the other day. It seems like he may be out for no eight and javel was it that's right okay so he may be day-to-day and may may need a little bit to recover from that injury so some injuries to note early in season unfortunately uh but that's it for the news matt i'm really excited for this first topic sir bring it back so it uh for longtime listeners the first season we did this podcast in one of our first early episodes I pulled some random stats and Matt has not looked at these. And so then I give a category to Matt and he has to guess player or players with who are lead the league in said category. Uh, And I'm going to give him some wiggle room here. Anybody in top five. All right. And it counts. So we're going to kind of go through some of these rapid fire. Some of these we'll talk about. This first one's kind of fun. Uh, so, Matt, which player leads the league in distance run so far? I feel like the most obvious answer would be Steph Curry. He, believe it or not, is in the top five. He is? Is not. Wow. So the top five in miles run. Huh, huh. Who, else, who else could this be? Uh... I'll give you a couple guesses. You can have like three guesses. Um, Patty Mills. Also not. God. I'm going to reevaluate here. Um, All right. Tyler Hero. Not in the top five. God dang. (laughs) So are you ready for this list? So top of the list. I don't think you would ever got this. Harrison Barnes. What? With. Coming in with 2.98 miles run. Yeah, no, would not have guessed that one. Been on fire for the Kings. Second, second one, Fred Van Fleet. I, I could believe that dude's all over the place. I don't even know if he knows where he's going all the time, but I, I understand that one. Third is DeMontis Sabonis. Fourth oh. is your boy Jalen Brown. Okay, another one else. I don't know if he's always. Fifth where, where is Malcolm Brogdon. Two Pacers in here. 
uh, in just outside of fifth, this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, six is Chris Duarte, the rookie. Another pacer. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Is that why they've won two games this year? <laughs> They're just running all over the place, have no idea who to defend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's just kind of a fun little category. We don't have to spend much time and overthink it. I think that's just kind of a fun thing. Okay, so this one's kind of fun to talk about, though. Um, name a player with the most catch-and-shoot attempts from three per game. Okay, not just throw the same name out there, but come on, Steph. Steph is one, two, three, four, five. He's fifth at okay. 6.2. I'll say that dude, I mean, I know we say catch and shoot. That dude chucked 23 just the other night. Like, Yeah, some of them have to be catch and shoot. But yeah, yeah he's he's the out of the top five. He is hitting on catch and shoot attempts 48.6% uh, on catch and shoot threes, uh, which is just insane. Um, do you want to take a stab at any other uh, other names um, here. Oh, um, let's go. Let me see if I can get one more here. Um, shoot, Lonzo. Lonzo is not in the top five. Okay. Uh, he, Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is also not in the top five. Oh, God. Okay, give me some names then. Okay, all right. Starting from number five, so you got Stephen Curry. Uh, I don't know if you ever would have gotten this one. Nikhil Alexander-Walker coming in at 6.3 attempts per game. See, and about that, is that means someone has to be passing him the ball. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know how he's getting – I haven't watched hardly any New Orleans this year. So uh, I have not seen much of them. But he's shooting 27% from three off yeah, those catch-and-shoot right. attempts. Uh, Joe Harris, you probably would have gotten close to this yeah. one. 6.6 attempts per game, uh, uh, 39% which is really freaking good. This next one kind of blew my mind, but watching the Grizzlies quite a bit, this shouldn't surprise you. Jaron Jackson Jr. At 6.9 attempts per game. And the other night when I was pulling these stats, this is actually over seven. And he was leading this category. And he's only shooting 31% from those catch and shoot threes, but boy, oh boy, does he love shooting the basketball. Yes. And the last person, the top person, Duncan Robinson, yeah. uh, seven attempts from three off catch and shoot and only hitting 31%. Yeah, he struggled a little bit, but yeah, that was an easy one. I just didn't go there because I knew that one, but I, I, I respect the list, but yeah, some guys clearly shoot too much that really shouldn't be shooting. All right, for bonus, just for kicks and giggles, Matt, can you guess the sixth just behind Steph Curry? Um, this one's kind of obscure. This player is kind of obscure. Oh, yeah. God, now you got me overthinking it now. <laughs> um, I, okay, this, I, I don't think this guy's obscure enough. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. No, it's actually Grayson Allen at crazy. 5.9 attempts on catch and shoot. That's crazy. I would, yeah, I would definitely not guess that, but he's playing because the Bucks have everyone else out, right? Yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. is quite – he's far down on the list at 5.5. I guess he's hitting a lot – I mean, he's hitting 45, on a 45% clip on catch and shoot. Um, catch it, I feel like he's taking it and making it, but I think that goes to speak to some Dallas issues, which we're going to talk about more later. Yes, we are. So moving on to our next category, Matt, 
who leads the league in drives per game? So I'm trying to think of like passers here, but also I got to think of aggressive drivers. Um, I went with one ball brother earlier, so let's go with Lamelo. Lamelo is not in the top five. Okay. This player has come up in a previous category. I will give you that hint. Oh. Uh, shoot. Wow, crap. Um. Uh. Okay. Not that we brought. Not that we brought him up, but uh, Jimmy Butler. Not in the top five, oh, actually. Yeah. Um. You know, I want to say like James Harden, but I don't feel like he qualifies anything he does as a drive right now. <laughs> he is not in the top five for um, so touches. Yeah, that one or um, drives. So let's go with. Man, does this guy qualify? I'm trying to think. Like, as a drive, so I assume we got to get a paint touch here. Because um, I want to say like Devin Booker, but I feel like that dude always stops in the mid range. Uh, Devin Booker is higher on this list, but he is not on the top five. Okay, and so Giannis. Uh, he is actually not in the top five. Believe it world. or not. What? I don't hold on. Let me find Giannis. Yeah, he's he's on the list. He's just not in the top five. That's insane to me. I don't know what counts as a drive here, honestly. Um, it must be from like outside the paint to the rim. So you ready for this list? Okay. All right. This is gonna blow your mind, I think. All right, starting at number five, Trey Young with 20 drives per game. So like I had the right mindset, like I said, Lamelo. Yeah. I you were kind of he does the floater thing. So yeah. maybe it helps him get a few more than I would think. Just above him with 20.3 is Luka Doncic. Yeah, that one doesn't. Again, he's one of those like kind of that Booker vein of like, does he pull up too much? Right, right. Yeah, um, John Morant is 21 oh, yeah. is at 21.6 drives per game. My boy SGA at 22.7. And leading the league in drives per game, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. At 24. Isn't that insane? That's very strange. I'm not even saying like I can't believe it. It's just weird. Yeah. It it is uh, some weird stat. This is also part of the fun of this game early on in the season is that just some weird things happen. And so like some random guys are at the top of this list. I'm not saying that. They won't be at the end of the year. It just feels a little weird right now. Um, okay, so we love the rookies on the podcast, Matt. We were just talking about drives per game. Now we're going to switch to paint touches per game. So give me a rookie with the most paint touches per game so far. Okay. So, goodness. Um I don't feel like Jalen Green can be in there. Um, he is not. I don't know if that's you wanted to lock that in as your guess, yeah, but okay. I, I definitely don't want him in there. Like I didn't okay. think it was because again, he is one that feels he gets shot. All right, is your boy Josh Giddy in there? He is, but he's way down at this on this list. Huh. Believe it or not. Yeah, I feel like he again qualifying paint as free throw line and in. I feel like he gets like a step inside the free throw line all the time. Um. He is below Zaire Williams with 0.9 paint touches per game. 
Larry Williams can get out of here. Um, <laughs> Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is, is number two. He has okay. 4.7 paint touches per game, and that that is a steep drop-off between him and number one. So that may give you a little bit of a hint as to who someone else on that top five might be. Is it Evan Mobley? Evan Mobley is the top of the list. Yeah, because he, all he does is catch dunks. Like, he just – he doesn't really ever leave, like, the elbow and in. Yeah, 8.1 paint touches per game. Um, and, like I said, Scotty is averaging 4.7, so it's almost double what yeah. Evan Mobley is doing, which is kind of – I mean, like, if you're a Cavs fan, that's encouraging. Like, that's what you want Evan Mobley to be doing. Cavs, you just have Jared Allen on one block and Mobley on the other. <laughs> also less encouraging. <laughs> Uh, so, sin- so since you got two of them, I'll give you the rest. Uh, number three is Alperin Shingun yeah. at 4.0. Uh, Herbert Jones for the New Orleans Pelicans at 3.0. And then my boy, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 2.7. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a list I don't like. <laughs> it's just kind of all over the place. And kind of fun. Kind of fun. Okay, so we just talked about uh, paint touches. Now we're going to make it more general and to everyone in the league. So who leads the league in touches per game? So I assume to qualify as a touch, like you got to do a little more than just bring it up and just go. Um, I hate just saying this name, but I got to throw Steph back out there. Let's see here. I was surprised he's not in the top five. Because he passes it, but he always gets it back. And then right. He is he is actually tied with Draymond on this list. Oh. Him and Draymond have the exact average, same average of touches per game at 80.3. Hmm. So gotta gotta get the ball a lot. Again, I'll come back. John Morant. John Morant is second on this list at 92.7. Um, Jesus, that's a lot. That's a um, lot. I saw another stat that I thought that was kind of interesting. It was like average time on touch, uh, and he was up there. It was like over six seconds. It was kind of interesting. He, I mean, they give him the ball because they have no one else who can really dribble. But Yeah. Um, okay, we throw out – again, these are based off of averages, so – uh, I don't like this one's on the list, but I'm going to say it anyway. Paul George. Paul George is not in the top five. Let me go. But there one. is another Los Angeles person who is in the top five. So LeBron. LeBron is yeah. in the top five. Uh, he has 89.8. Uh, and his average time of possession our average seconds per touch is 4.62. John Morant was 5.67. Yikes. Again, ball stops when he gets there, but it's probably for a good reason. Good reason, yeah. So you got Ja, LeBron. There's three more. You probably get at least one more of these. Is Durant on the list? Durant is not in the top five. Again, I'm wondering how they qualify touches here. Because um, I want to say still guys like Jimmy Butler should be on this list or LaMelo should be on this list or Trey Young should be on this list. But 
Uh, you guessed Paul George earlier. He was at 80.8. So he's not in the top five, but he's gets a massive amount of touches still. up there. Um, Jimmy Butler is at 75.7. Hmm. They've been letting him work off ball a lot more since they got Kyle Lowry. So I'm not totally shocked on that one. Um, I'm just curious, Ryan, where is Julius Randle on this list? That was a great question. I was about to give him. He is above Giannis and betu- between Giannis and Damian Lillard on this list wow. at 76.7 touches per game. And then average time of touch is, um, oh, I lost it, uh, 3.32 seconds. Hmm. So he's not necessarily holding it for that yeah. long. I've watched a few Knicks games. His role is a lot to me, but anyway. Who, who um, finishes out the top five? Now? Okay, so number five, we'll go from top to bottom. Luka Doncic, 88.7 touches per game. Um, LeBron at four, we talked about him. Nikola Jokic at 91.6 yeah. um, touches per game. John Morant at number two at 92.7. And I don't know if you ever guessed this because I don't think I would have ever guessed this. Malcolm Brogdon leads league in touches at 96.4 touches per game. Oh, Malcolm Brogdon leading like three of these groups. <laughs> I know. It's kind of insane, isn't it? Like, uh, I've, I've seen like probably – a couple different pacer games, maybe not full games, but you know, good good bits of them. I don't know. I guess I just didn't feel like watching it like Malcolm Brogdon was just like dominating the ball. Yeah, it's kind of insane how much like the ball's in his hands. I mean, it makes sense. He's like the de facto point guard. Um, and there's yeah. not a lot of other playmakers on that team necessarily on the perimeter. So kind of makes sense. Um I guess I just feel like they still play it a bit through Sabonis more. Like in that would take away touches. Yeah. Touches from yeah. Um Matt, I have one final question for you. How do you feel about Jason Tatum getting less drives per game than Josh Giddy so far? So let's just <laughs> let's get into topic number two because I want to lead with this. Okay. So topic number two regret. is regrets. Yeah. AKA so, regrets. Good or bad. Um we had been on a team and they're doing the opposite. So my first team, again, I know this is a bit Homer-ish, but Boston, mm. I, you know, I'll be honest on Boston. When I think they're bad, I'll say they're bad. Like last year, they're I, bad. I, like we're not going to finish like above six. Sure enough. Like we were bad last mm-hmm. year. And this year I was like, okay, we got to change coach. Okay. We brought in another, sh- we brought another garden shooter. Al, let's see if we can get anything from him. You know, blah, 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 so on, so on, so on. I picked us finished three, you know, but more so like in the tier with like Atlanta and maybe Philly, but in that in that range, right? Um, maybe if you included Chicago in that, because I ended them in Philly and about the same. They ain't three. They sure as heck ain't three. Um, Jason Tatum, he he's getting to the rim literally less and less as his career goes on per year, mm-hmm. which is very weird to me. Like you, wait, you've allegedly grown two inches and put on 20 pounds of muscle and we're getting to the rim less. How is, what's the point of getting taller and bigger then? Right. 
you know right. i will say like when you watch him like his passing has gotten a lot better um like his assist rate is like over uh, last i had checked like above 20 percent so like he is really like passing the ball well but like the fact that like he isn't getting to the rim it's like you're playing against other teams like threes should bully them right takes a step back or takes the turnaround or whatever it is you know it's like why does jason tatum not get easy shots that's a great question everything seems hard right now for boston like scoring just all this all the things you know um defensively it doesn't look easy which is kind of surprising we thought this team would be kind of solid defensively and it hasn't been um the fourth quarter scoring you kind of touched on it some but is just it's abysmal like disaster and this isn't like the first season that this been a thing right like it's not the concerning part it it, and marcus smart you know kind of went at jalen and jason um the other day uh, about the fourth quarter just not passing a ball against Chicago the other day against Chicago when they blew the lead which I, I get but Marcus Smart you gotta know your spot but he's also not wrong like Jalen and Jason do have a tendency to kind of play like hero ball my turn your turn type of stuff um and until that's fixed like I don't know if the Boston this Boston team like What's their ceiling? Like second round, first round? So, yes. Yes. Like they really shouldn't win a first round series. Mm. Mm. With that said, one, again, Mark Smart near and dear to our hearts. Yes. You connection, especially then for me going to Boston. But his play alone, like before that Chicago game, you know, we didn't get to pod last week because of life circumstances, but I was ready to come on last week and say, like, we got to, like, you know, let's do a deal here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where. China, G League, whatever. Like, let's do a deal here. Marcus ben Smart, Simmons? You're willing to send us. Ben Simmons? So, I wouldn't say no at this point. So, <laughs> I, I was, like, very over him, to be mm. honest. Like, he's not playing well. Like, you want to talk about passing? He's not passing. Right. So, I I mean, he can say they weren't passing in fourth quarter and whatever, and, like, he's not totally wrong. Like, he's not. I also saw Jason Tatum drive, get a paint touch, and uh, kick it out to him wide open after his man helped in on a beautiful, like, no-look pass, and he just hard clanks another three. You know? Yeah. You want to pass the ball? I don't know. Do something that's worthy to make them want to pass the ball. I mean, that's a fair point as well. It's like, okay, so Schroeder has gotten off to a slow shooting start. Um, that doesn't bode well long-term for the Celtics team. Like, they need Schroeder to be a really good, efficient shooter like he was in Oklahoma City a couple seasons ago. And he just hasn't been that. Um, it, the shooting around Jalen and Jason hasn't been excellent. It doesn't help that Jason has not been shooting the ball well either. Like he's been sub his standard. He's been sub high thirties. Like he's 30. Really bad. 5% from three. Um, He's taking all tough shots. Yeah. 
I mean, but that's what made J- Jason so good recently is that he he was able to hit those shots. Um, I just I don't know. I don't know what to do with this Boston team. It feels like they need they desperately need another playmaker. It hurts that Kemba Walker looks like that guy now with the Knicks. Um, and it just feels like this team's kind of snake bit a little bit. Just like can, can't figure it out for whatever reason. I like all their pieces individually, but it just has not come together yet. No, you're right. Like, to be honest, Robert Williams shouldn't, like, be the third best player on this team. Mm. Mm. You know, like I like that he's dynamic. I like that he's bouncing and young and does some different things. And to a degree, like you don't know what you're getting out of him because he just like he'll start to like make passes and stuff that it's like, oh Jesus, like wh- why did you do that? But like he threads it in there and you're like, oh okay. Um, like I mean, Al Horford's probably actually been the third best player on the team because he's been consistent. But Al Horford's just a good basketball player. She knows what to do. You know all that, but I, that's the thing. Is like I I can't tell if I want to just fully go like point Tatum, mm. like get these non-shooting guards off the floor. Like let's just give me someone that's six seven that shoots threes. You know, they need like a Mike Conley. Honestly, just some like I'm watching Utah Utah game here. They just need someone with a little zip. Who yeah, can kind of take really the playmaking player. load off of Jalen and Jason? They need a guy whenever it's middle of the third quarter, the other team's going on a run, just to get a bucket, manufacture a bucket. Um, and they need that like scoring off the bench they haven't had. I know like Peyton Pritchard was kind of projected to maybe be that guy. It just hasn't been there yeah. yet. It doesn't mean it can't get out, there. You know. Not great. Schroeder, like we say, come out not great. Like Romeo Langford's look like the best bench guy. Yeah. And he's like even pretty limited in what he can do so far. It's not like he's an awesome shooter yet. No, definitely not. So I that's the thing is like it's either I feel like we gotta embrace like point Tatum and just give him the ball and like just surround him with players that actually deserve catching a pass, or we gotta give him like a prime like orchestrator. Like, not Marcus mm-hmm. Smart, not Dennis Schroeder, and to be honest, like, not even Kemba Walker. Because Kemba Walker, like, is a different type of, you know, lead guard. Right. So, it's either, you know, not that Chris Paul's available, but, like, let's get an orchestrator that'll, like, run the team. Or let's just fully lean into giving Jason and Jalen the ball and put other dudes around them. Like, we, like, either lean into being, like, James Harden, Houston Rockets, or lean into, you know, the Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns type. Multiple playmakers, multiple yeah. ball handlers. Yeah. yeah. Um, 100%. The Boston Celtics are going to be interesting to watch the rest of this year. Um, I'm fascinated by this team. Fascinated, Matt. So let's uh, go to your top regret. My top regret is predicting Pelicans would make the playoffs. Just an absolute, just an absolute disaster here so far. Um are they going to win, like, 25 games? I mean, part of this is going to depend on how many games Zion misses. Ingram's out tonight, too. Somehow, like, jumped on the Suns, though, up, like, 15. Now the Suns have climbed their way back. They're only down six. So I, I'm having a feeling that New Orleans is going to choke this. I'm seeing. Uh, New Orleans has one win right now. 
and people are saying the Thunder are the worst team in the league. I don't think people have watched enough of the New Orleans Pelicans yet, New and Orleans I haven't. Healthy should be a good team, or at least decent team. But when, when I mean, it goes back to the thing I said a couple of weeks ago about Philly. If I don't know what you are for like thirty to forty games, like you're just not a playoff team. Yeah, you can only take so long to figure it out. Right. Like, that is a great point. Like I had him at eight. You had him at I think nine. like nine or ten. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, neither of us said to bet on him though, because that we knew that'd be risky. But yeah, it's just like. Zion shouldn't be out this long. Like, he really shouldn't be. Ingram, even when he was playing, like, honestly, like, looked relatively disinterested. And, like, that could just be his face. But also, like, I don't blame him. Like, They've talked about trading that guy, like, five or six times. Yeah. Again, Lonzo's gone, which, again, they both they both liked Lonzo. Right. And, like, you... You gave him up for essentially nothing. Yeah, like, none of the things you got back for him, like, are helping you right now. So, I don't know. Like, right now, like, Jonas Valanciunas is, like, going crazy. And, like, maybe, like, he can win on this game. But it's also, like, we really relying on Jonas Valanciunas, like, you know? Yeah, that's not great. And, like, I don't uh, don't know what to do with this Pelicans team because Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he's – it's, like, very dependent on him. Like, their offense is very dependent on him. I'm just not sure if this team sniffs even close to 500. Like, it doesn't feel like if you're telling me some of the last teams are going to be a mix of like Minnesota, Sacramento, Memphis, Dallas, maybe might be in that group, the Clippers, something like that. Like, would you pick any the Pelicans over any of those teams I just rattled off? Definitely not. Like, pretty clearly not right now. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I know it's only, they've only played seven games, but like, you're already like in a pretty loaded West. You're already back, however many games, like four and a half games, five games from even getting close to where you want to be long term. So, part of this conversation also has to come back to Zion of, even when he does come back, like, what does he look like for those first, like, two weeks? Are we going to go through the James Harden thing with him where it's, like, all right, you're back, but now you got to, like, play yourself into, like, game shape, too? Yeah, and historically, Good. New Orleans has done minutes restrictions with Zion. Yeah. And, like, has Zion just, like, stopped? Like, I don't want to, like, say this too flippantly because this is kind of a big deal to most players. Like, has he just, like, stopped loving basketball? Like, is that what we're seeing? Like, is he just not fully engaged because of some of the front office decisions? I can't imagine that front office stays in much longer if the Zion thing doesn't pan no. out. No. Oh, there's no way. Like, because there, there's no living that one down. Like, the way it's happened. You know, like, if Zion, like, came in and he just had tons of injuries and it's like there was – no way to you know do anything other than what we've done right Even, like you get a pass kind of right right so we all had zion number one in that draft right like there's just some disconnect here like he he's not all the way in like you don't you don't do that to your body when you're a professional athlete if you're all the way in 
Yeah. And so, like, clearly you haven't connected with your number one overall pick to make him feel embraced and, you know, like, listened to and everything. And, again, we can bring up Lonzo all we want, but, you know, other decisions too. I, I mean, to be honest, like, they played a back-to-back with the Timberwolves, or I guess they played, like, the 23rd and 25th of October, and they won the second one just kind of – it felt like Minnesota was like, eh, we're fine. Like, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> Otherwise, I mean, it's, you know, lost to Philly, lost to um, Chicago, and then also lost to uh, Atlanta, lost to Sacramento, lost to the Knicks, you know, currently playing the Suns. Maybe they steal one from the Suns here, who are banged up also. But, like, I mean, those are some good teams, but you got to do a little better than this. Like, they don't look good when you watch them. Yeah. And that just may be an ongoing thing for the rest of the year. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm pretty down on the Pelicans right now, even, the, even after picking them to make the plan. I know it's only seven games in, all the things. I just – I regret that pick probably the most. Um, I couldn't have picked the Kings at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But – yeah. Don't trust the Pelicans. Can we add that to the group of people not to trust? They might have made the list, Ryan. They might have made the list. <laughs> so now, what's your uh, what's your second record? Again, a team I was too low on. So I did Boston. I was too high on Knicks. I was too low on. So again, I I don't know where the Knicks are going to finish. Like they still do have some real flaws. But they're putting out 10 competent guys. And I think that was part of it is, like, what is Kimba going to be? What is Fournier going to be? I guess, you know, we're still going to have to watch on Mitchell Robinson. You know, you can get hurt at any moment. Mm -hmm. Still going to have to watch on, like, Taj Gibson. Like, does he hold up? And, you know, we talked about the start of the year. Julius Randle hit, you know, 4,000 difficult shots in the last minute last year. Is that going to happen again or something I'm going to miss, you know? The thing that I've been impressed about, that's a great point. The thing I've been most impressed about with this Knicks team is that they have the other playmakers around Julius Randle now. Like Evan Fournier, not perfect, but he's making plays. He's hitting his threes. Kimba. Every three against Boston. Kimba, it looks like freaking Charlotte Kimba. Like he looks just I don't think he's quite that good, but he's been better than he was in Boston. Yes. I mean he's his role is quite diminished. He's not like the primary ball handler oh playmaker, but he's hitting a lot of catch and shoot threes. Um he's really? getting a All lot of those catch and shoot threes. Yeah, he's getting a lot of those looks right now. Um it, that's kind of been impressive for this Knicks team. Um their offense looks good, of course their defense looks good. I think they lost the other night to who did they play the other night? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, they played Chicago. And I mean, that that could be a fun little rivalry throughout the year is watching yeah. those two teams go back and forth because I think they're they're gonna be going at it for some seating here coming down the stretch. Oh, they lost to the Raptors the other night too. That was a weird one. When Ananobi Yeah, that was without like Ananobi and Barnes. Was, or no, that was without Barnes. 
it was a really weird... about Pascal or uh, Pascal. Yeah, so yeah, that was when Ananobi went off for like thirty something. I was watching most of that game. Yeah, Gary Trent was doing Gary Trent things. Yeah, he went off too. So um, that that was one where, like the Knicks, like they're good though. They are good. Re- they- the regular season good. They they're gonna be better than they last were last year in the postseason. You know, is enough to win a series. I still don't know about that, but uh, I like I like them. I, like I, them. I I do enjoy watching the Knicks more than I thought I would. I thought it would be kind of like more of a slugfest like last year, but it's it's actually some decent offense, which I'm taking a lot of threes. Yes, like, like they're all good threes. Like there's not a lot of bad three pointers they take. So that's interesting. Like their shot selection is much better this year. You know, it's not as many long Julius Randle twos because, like, that's just not sustainable as we saw. Or step back threes. Yeah. Julius Randle step back threes. Yeah. I think he still hit some shots for sure this year, but, like, you know, it's reined in a little more. We'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention RJ Barrett also. Man, he put in, what, like 30 the other night? Um, He's just stroking it now. He, he looks really confident uh, coming into his third year. Is that right? Yeah, because yeah. he's part of the Zion group. Zion yeah, it, in the third year, he's looking super confident and definitely stepping into a role. It's kind of interesting to see him not be this, like, primary score playmaker for the Knicks. He's kind of just carved out a, a space for himself. And he's kind of a good defender now, too. Yeah, no, he he's, like, an elite role player with obviously a lot more potential than that. And I, yeah, it's kind of like they're, they said, we're not going to make you be, you know, the next, you know, dude here from New York and do this whole New York savior thing with you. But we're going to make you into someone who actually understands how to play basketball. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. And I kind of like that approach. Like, and it's worked. I like that approach a lot too. Um, good for the Knicks for kind of getting out of, uh, NBA hell. Yeah. That's, sounds about right for where they've been for the last, oh, what? 20 years. years. Yeah, oh. 20, 30 years. However long we've been alive. <laughs> they haven't been good. Yeah. Um, so my second regret, Matt, is picking the Lakers being number one seed. Ooh. This team, I, I, I would be shocked if they finished top three. I mean, I had them at two, and yeah, it's kind of like the uh, they. Hold on, let's recap. Clippers. They lost with Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook to Oklahoma State Thunder. I'd say I was betting, on and they game. were up twenty. They were up twenty, Matt, and they came back and and the Thunder came back and beat the Lakers. I I just don't. This offense is, is so bad. It is so bad. Well, like, I, what's funny is, like, I mean, yes, the offense is bad. We all knew it was bad. But, like, you know, the game before the Thunder game is when, like, Russell Westbrook also started. And is that the – was that, like, a Spurs game? I can't remember. Anyway, like, Russ went off. Yes. Right? Yes, that was the Spurs. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, see, so y'all been hating on Russell Westbrook. He's still got it. And – then the very next night he goes, oh, and does 
the exact same thing, except it doesn't go in nearly as much, and it's a whole bunch of bricks, and you lose to the thunder. And then, and then, Russ, you know, gets mad at Baisley. Uh, For, yeah, dunking yeah. the ball last second. Yeah, that was he stole it because the Lakers had some piss-poor execution on that last <laughs> uh, possession there. And he got, you know, teed up again and ejected. And so that was great. That was great. Did you see the video on Twitter of him doing that in a Thunder jersey? Yes. Yes, I did. I loved it. That was amazing. Um, so update on the Lakers. I know we're kind of this bagging on them right now. Um, they are losing to the Houston Rockets 70 to 64. So they're not only is their offense bad, their defense is allowing 70 points and a half to the Rockets. And like they've already played a close game with the Rockets, too. Let me remind you, let me remind you that they have all three stars. This is not like, oh, LeBron's sitting. Nope. Nope. Definitely not. 35 in both quarters for Houston. Um, and then 32 in both quarters for the Lakers. I'm just... If you're... It's like, pretty much it's like, oh, they're going to figure it out because LeBron... Like, I'm not even saying they're wrong. But I can't not be worried about this situation. Like, you don't do this. You know, so here's the thing. Like, if you want to look at this box score, so the starting lineup for tonight was Kent Bazemore, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Avery Bradley, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, they moved Davis down to the five uh, now. They, I mean, they had to. The DeAndre Jordan starting lineup was so bad and giving them like five minutes of just absolutely nothing. So, LeBron has 16, Davis has 15, Westbrook has 12. Yeah. Avery Bradley, zero points and 14 minutes. Kent Bazemore, five points in 13 minutes. Malik Monk, zero points in seven minutes. DeAndre Jordan, six points in seven minutes. Carmelo Anthony, 10 points in 15 minutes. And then Austin Reeves, zero points in nine, almost 10 minutes. Um, Like, what? Like, Scoring 64 and a half, even though it's against the Rockets, like that's not bad. Like basically everyone's shooting like efficiently right now. But yeah. like you, I think the bigger point is you can't give up 70 to the Rockets. Like yeah. Like Jalen Green, who is like to be honest, like struggled. Like, and you know, a lot of rookies do. So I'm not even worried about it. But like he like can't get a shot off. Like that's like decent. Besides playing Boston and now apparently the Lakers. <laughs> and it's like, what are we doing here? Christian like, Wood has 15 points and 10 rebounds at halftime in 18 minutes. Well, like, Six. yeah, like Jason Tate has 13. He averages eight a game. He has 13 at half. Yeah, off the bench, Kenyon Martin Jr., 12 points. Yeah. Like, it, it, I don't know. I've watched, like, bits and pieces of Lakers games and it seems like Anthony Davis is just like disengaged sometimes. Like he doesn't seem interested in protecting the rim as much. Like watching that Thunder game the other night, he was kind of like people were getting into the rim. It wasn't like they had the stout interior defense and they were playing physical. And I know it's super early in the season and all that, but man, oh man, like what, like what does this Lakers team have it, like have a hat to hang, hang on? 
Like, where where are they great at? You know? Yeah. Well, I think part of the reason, besides, like, DeAndre Jordan sucks, um, with moving Avery Bradley to the starting lineup is, like, okay, let's see if we can trip the perimeter defense. So that way it's not as bad on the 80 to play the five. Right? Right. And, like, don't get me wrong, I, I, I get Avery Bradley. I get the idea of him. I've seen Avery Bradley work, you know, in different situations. I've seen him not work. Again, originally a Boston dude. So, like, I get the Avery Bradley idea. Like, he's really not it anymore. Like, he's a good, like, third defender on your team on certain lineups and, like, spurts. He, he can't be your shutdown guy. Can't base more. There's a reason he's on a new team every year, you know? Yeah. It's not that he's bad. He just – he doesn't exactly give you what you need, and he's just fine. It's just fine. And, like, Russ ain't defending, and the problem is LeBron ain't defending, and if AD ain't defending, and you only so, got two guys out there even trying, and neither of them are the ones that really matter if they try or not. So it was kind of an interesting stat. I, we talked about drives per game. And I think I had talked to you off air about just from watching the Lakers, it doesn't seem like LeBron's driving as much. So far, he's only averaging like around 11 drives per game, which is, it feels super down for him. And it doesn't seem like he's getting to the rim as much, therefore not getting the free throw line as much. So their defense isn't getting set off those made three, three free free throws. Excuse me. Um, and he's like having a stellar game, like 16 points, three rebounds, five assists. Like that's a really awesome LeBron game. But he's only taken two free throws at halftime. Um whereas like there's no one on Houston that has any size or strength besides like Christian Wood. Yeah, like he should be dunking all over Alpern and Schengen, right? Like I know he kind of put him in the blender the other night when they played, but come on, dude. Like take it at someone. Don't get over him, you know? Yeah. Like, he has a nice, like, reverse and transition. But that's the thing. Half-court offense for this team, like, it's it's worse than it was when they won the championship. It's really bad. Um, and they're having to play guys like Malik Monk and then even guys who went undrafted this year, like Austin Reeves. Reeves. It's not like Austin Reeves is a bad player, but – like your choice, like they're going nine deep, and it feels like they need like other guys to really step up. And they're taking like, I, and THT Taylor Horton Tucker isn't playing; he's injured right now. But man, oh man, this Did team just half court offense. No, like Is that's it... the thing. Like, what what's his awesome? catch and shoot like a ceiling this year? THT, like, he ain't helping their defense either. That's a thing. Like really upgrade on Avery Bradley. Like maybe he's an upgrade on Austin Reeves defensively. I just like this team seems super thin. It okay, Matt. Let me ask you this: If the Lakers are around five hundred or sub five hundred, do you tr- try to trade Westbrook before the trade deadline? Um. When when's trade line? deadline like february something february somewhere in there right um today's november 2nd i would trade russell westbrook on november 3rd (laughs) (laughs) i mean do you think ben simmons would would, do you think the sixers would take ben simmons for russell westbrook uh 
do you think we could do a little Russell Westbrook, John Wall? Like, is <laughs> part two? Part two? I, I seriously, I mean, I, I know everyone else is saying it too. I don't care. Buddy healed and you know whatever else was out there should have taken it, but no, we had to go with Russ. We had to bring the LA kid back to LA. We had to do the the big name. That's what Los Angeles does, and it's failed because you didn't do it for the right reasons. Right, like, you, you didn't, didn't do it for basketball right. reasons. Yeah, and it's like. If your basketball reason is, well, he can go win you a game whenever LeBron's out. Okay, but he can't help you win a game when LeBron's in. <laughs> they can't play together. And when LeBron it matters. Games. Right. So I'd rather have someone that works with LeBron for 60 games and someone who works better when LeBron's gone for 20 games. Right. Right. You know, I I, I guess I don't know. And once playoff time comes, let's, let's assume you're in the playoffs, you get the sixth seed, you're playing – you know, Utah in the first round or whoever, Phoenix, whatever. LeBron's on the court. Yeah. And one, if LeBron's not on the court, you're not winning. Right. But two, if LeBron's on the court, then you need just other dudes who can play LeBron on the court. And that's mm-hmm. not Russ. Even in the playoffs, it's not Russ. It's even probably even more so not the case in the playoffs. So it's all the same. I just, I feel like we're just repeating ourselves, Ryan, because we were right. But we still also just like, oh, but it's LeBron. Yeah. And that like the Russ thing isn't working, but we were wrong and like, uh, just trust it though, it'll figure itself out. Yeah, that's that's the more of the thing is that yeah, LeBron might not be able to solve this problem. Yeah, bad problem. Big bad big bad problem. Matt, your last regret. Okay. This team still might finish six. Like I might have even been wrong on where they're going to finish, but the Dallas Mavericks, they keep it out west. I don't feel good about it either. God, they're just, they're horrible to watch, Ryan. Like, and they have Luka Doncic, and like, I struggle watching them. It's concerning when you go from a top, I don't know, top three offense in the league to like not a top three offense. And, your players haven't really changed that much. It's just been the coach. Um, I like there's some like a weird things. I watched the Raptors that first week of the NBA, uh, the Raptors game when it was the first week of the NBA, and like there was some weird offensive stuff going on in the first quarter. Like Kristaps Porzingis got like four elbow post touches, and it was like. He had like a littler guy on him. He tried to back him down, and after two dribbles, realized he couldn't back him down, and just took like a turnaround Dirk jump shot, and then went like one of four in that stretch. Yeah, that sounds about right. And it's just like stuff like that that's ultra concerning to me about the Mavs. I understand. Like I was seeing a kid, uh, Jason Kidd, new Mavs head coach, comes in as like okay, and probably got some direction for management. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Porzingis, we've got to see what we've got here. Get on the ball. Right. I get that, right? I I understand, like, hey, Tim Hardaway Jr., paying him a lot of money. He's a good player. Let's make sure he gets the ball. Hey, Luca, we we love you. We respect you. We think the game's really great. Sometimes you got to know to be a better decision maker. 
Right. I disagree with that. If that's all coming from, you know, above you, I don't even necessarily disagree with it. Mm. But like, okay, since on the coach, like put that into place, like let's maximize those opportunities then. And it's a bunch of stuff in the mid range. It's like guys who like start to drive, but then have to pull up like short of the rim. I'm, I mean, it feels like the Mavericks have like had like 12 dunks all year. Like no one puts pressure on the rim. And then yeah. they're not emphasizing the three, which like I get analytics. You don't want to overanalyze things, but like run, pick and roll force help kick the shooters. Sometimes you got to simplify the offense. Right. And I'm not saying they didn't need to do less of it, but maybe Jason kid went too far with some of this stuff. And I get like kind of experimenting like the, the, we saw the bucks did do this where like they weren't necessarily. Yeah. Like they experimented a ton, but it's like the bucks were proven. And like this Mavs team really hasn't proven much yet. You know, like they, they've taken the Clippers twice. Like mm-hmm. in in later playoff rounds or in late in late series, I should say. Um I don't know. Like I I love Luca. He probably is my would have been my preseason pick to win MVP. It just doesn't seem like the Jason Kidd thing is gonna be very long term. Yeah. And who knows if it was a kid thing or a Luca thing. I like that like a couple games ago, Luca was just like, screw this. Yeah. Like ball. Yeah. Like how come here? <laughs> like, like let's actually run a screen and roll and not like the fiftieth screen and pop with Kristaps. Yeah. Well, starts doing the same thing Boston's offense starts doing, where it's just like five guys are just standing around the perimeter. Yeah. Like you can set a pick, but like you're really just exchanging spots, like you're not going anywhere. Yeah, there's hard not going anywhere. There's very little movement like on that team so far, which is super concerning. Like I, if I were playing with Luca or coaching a team led by Luca, like I would just want movement all over the place, like trying to get open um, and just trying to get like good shots from Luca. Well, Cause he's like, going to hit you into the shooting pocket no matter what. Yeah. He's going to find you, but also like thinking about like what that does to an opposing defense. If, someone's got to go chase around Tim Hardaway on a double screen on the opposite side of the floor. That means like, there's not the help defense there to help whenever Lucas, that's a strong side, you know, ball screen for Luca. And all of a sudden, like they're chasing around Tim Hardaway whenever the play is not even about Tim Hardaway, but like, you got to get, you got to get him moving. So that way Luca can see his opportunities and take advantage of his opportunities. And it's not just like having to settle for a tough three or, you know, contested rim finish. You can do things to manipulate the defense, and like Luka Doncic can do it, like on the court. But like systematically, you have to do things also to manipulate a defense. And Jason Kidd, ironically, as like one of the greatest point guards the NBA ever had, like does not seem to understand that. Was coached by Rick Carlisle, like they he won a championship with Rick Carlisle as coach. Yeah, and like just has not been able to figure where they had to out scheme and out tactician the Miami. Yeah, yeah, LeBron James in Miami Heat. Yeah. Yeah. It's an absolute disaster. Like, it's just a disaster for the Mavs early on. Like, I thought, what? It's not even like they have a bad record right now. They're, what, four and three? 
um, as of this recording and tied with the Lakers, Grizzlies, Nuggets um, with that record. But it feels like they should be like five and two, maybe with only one loss. Like I get like it's the West, you're playing a tough schedule, but I don't know, man. Like they got whooped up on by Miami tonight. I guess Miami's been whooping up on everyone. Yeah. But like the Nuggets, they got crushed by the Nuggets because they had the Spurs game before that where they got down 25 to 5 to start. And I mean, the Spurs aren't good. So like the Spurs like let them back in the game and all that jazz. And like the next day, they had to go play the Nuggets then. And I'm not going to lie, Ryan, that was the easiest bet of the day. (laughs) Easiest one. Straight up. I saw the Nuggets were a one and a half point favorite because they didn't know if Jokic was going to play or not. Mm. Um, once he announced he was playing, the line moved to Nuggets minus four, and I was like, "What are we doing here? The Nuggets should be like minus eight. Yeah, and Nuggets ended up winning by thirty-one. It was just like that was the easiest bet I've had all year. Oof, man. Uh, yeah, not an encouraging start for the Mavs so far. We're not we're not loving the Mavs what we're seeing from the Mavs, but maybe long term they might have. Jason Kidd might have planned, but I guess we'll wait and see. So uh, kind of in the vein of your Knicks being number 10, I had the Bulls being number 10. And I'm straight up wrong about this, that team. All NBA, Zach Levine. Oh, my gosh. Check the tape from the last pod. Those guys, oh, this team is a lot of fun. Just Amar is playing out of his mind he's shooting threes again which we didn't know that was yep. gonna be a thing uh lonzo ball re- turns out really good at basketball really good at basketball um zach levine has every shot available to him yeah can hit everything from anywhere and then like it's just alex caruso their depth is kind of fun just like some really fun basketball players to watch they had an incredible comeback against your Celtics the other night. It's just kind of a gritty, like veteran team that kind of knows how to play basketball. And it's a fun, it's a fun thing to watch. That puts them in the top tier of the East to me. Not I'm not saying like with the Bucks or Nets, but it puts them above playing. Above six. Like next tier of like three to six. Like during that, whatever like that group is, like during that group. Yeah, I mean, I would put them ahead Philly right now just because we don't know what's going to happen with Philly long-term. Sure. Um, and I just – it's a good team. Like, it's just a fun, good team to watch. Like, that that gets you at least 41 wins in the NBA. Yeah, like, and wasn't that their over-under? Like, let me see if I can pull that up. I think uh, so. And it's like, this team's going 500. Yeah. Like, at the least, like – I mean, we're, we're talking about like a Zach Levine injury for that not to happen. Uh, 42 and a half. 42 and a half. So it was pretty much. So just, basically 500. Yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. going above 500 or not? I mean, right now, it's not just because of their current record, which does give them a nice cushion, but like, yeah, no, like they don't choke away games completely that they used to choke away. They're just like in every game, they. They have like they do. They have like fun cutters, and they have like one or two plays a game where like Lonzo 
throws an oop or hits a hits a like streaking cutter through the middle of the lane for a dunk or a layup that just kind of energizes this team and it has some zip to it. Yeah. Um, we talked about the defensive struggles and how this team's probably not going to be great on defense. They've kind of survived on defense. Like it hasn't been terrible. It hasn't been a disaster. And that's like a huge win for this team. Props to like Billy Donovan. Turns out Billy Donovan's a good, good coach. Well, we, we were talking off air and it's like their defense doesn't need to be great for 48 minutes. Their defense needs to be good mm. in the right moments. Right. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Zach Levine, I don't need him to put in great defense for 48 minutes or 34 minutes or however much he's playing. But, you know, fourth quarter and then situational moments, can you do that? Zach Levine might be able to play some defense. Yeah. I mean, like, Lonzo's going to have active hands. Caruso is a good defender, not great. Yeah. Like, actually good, though. And he's going to give you some pretty good perimeter defense um, and get, like, one or two steals and just kind of energize your team throughout the game. I think the Lakers could use that right now, Matt. Like, going back mm-hmm. to them, um, talking about uh, – it's just like this This Bulls team's kind of like an amalgamation of just players teams didn't want. Like, Zach Levine was not wanted by the Minnesota Timberwolves necessarily – DeMar DeRozan was kind of on scrap heap a little bit. Alex Crusoe not wanted. Lonzo Ball not wanted. It's just kind of kind of an interesting, interesting little team here. And I like it. I do too. Again, I think the depth might eventually come back to be a problem, especially like depending on how long this Kobe White thing goes on. But yeah. No, like maybe they just like they always have like a good crunch time lineup. Assuming the health. They always just have a good crunch time lineup. And you know what? Like, you watch some teams, like, in that, like, lower end bubble, like the Pelicans and others. I don't like, like, I'm watching the game right now. Like, I don't like what the Pelicans are putting on the floor for the last five minutes of the game. Like, this is kind of a crap show. The Suns have come back now. They're up five with three minutes left. Like, this is what we get into. I'll, I'll kind of just ride with Caruso and Lonzo and all those other dudes. And yeah, I mean, Demar's is professional. Zach Levine's a, a dude now. Maybe, maybe the Bulls just have enough players who don't suck. Our favorite saying on the podcast is "play guys who don't suck," and you're you have a pretty good team. And the Bulls are kind of following that. That's like the whole thing. It's they. I mean, they consolidated last year at the trade deadline. Got rid of some. I would say rookies, young players who wasn't going to work for what they wanted in the short term. And so they went out and got Vucevic and it's just all seemed to be working for them so far. And like you said, their depth thing, depth is going to be an issue for them, but we'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. Yeah. But yeah, they're definitely not going to be 10. We know that. Definitely not 10. Um, Matt, do you have any parting words before we wrap up episode 125? Um, uh, uh, yes, <laughs> we've already been going for a long time though, so gotta rein it in. Uh, <laughs> so that, no, that's not, why we have more podcasts. We'll right? save it for the next one. Yeah. Well, 
So that's it for episode 125. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you back in episode 126. Yeah.